Welcome to Scholarship Provider Coffee Talks, a podcast for scholarship providers to listen and learn from their peers. In this episode, you'll hear feedback from different organizations about how they're responding to the COVID-19 crisis and how it's affected their scholarship management processes. This discussion comes from a webinar that was recorded on March 25th. The discussion topics were whether or not people were adjusting scholarship deadlines or required materials, the unexpected needs that have emerged from the crisis, and online evaluations and how committee meetings have changed. All right, so let's listen in on that discussion. The first voice we are going to hear is Elise Brayton, who was the moderator, followed by Betty Stammerjohn from the Community Foundation of Greene County. Okay, so it looks like today we are mostly uh, coming from the U.S., and that's, you know, good to know. A lot in the Midwest and the, the North and Mid-Atlantic, so that's fantastic. And great, so we kind of have an idea for who's in the room right now. Lots of community foundations, mostly in the Midwest and the Northeast and Mid-Atlantic, so that's fantastic. Let's go ahead and move into our topic areas for today. So the first one that we've heard a lot about is adjusting deadlines and um, required materials. This came up on our grant making coffee talk last week. You know, who's adjusting deadlines? Um, how, what types of adjustments are you making? Are you extending them? You know, what's your time frame for extension on those deadlines? Are you changing the topic areas, that are, not the topic areas, the required materials that you need? So, for instance, uh, we had one person talking about letters of recommendation and those being even more difficult to get than they normally are. Also, what came up was transcripts. You know, uh, if schools are closed, if high schools are closed and colleges are closed um, or, or significantly fewer staff available, um, what does that look like for getting those normally required documents for the your scholarship um, applications. The next one that we've heard a lot about is online evaluations. So online evaluations or having your committee members access applications and complete their forms online uh, are, are definitely an area that we're seeing a lot of uh, growth in. If you haven't been online, you might be considering going online for the first time. And I know we have a lot of experience in here. Um, some of you have been online for years and other are looking to do that for the very first time. So I wanna provide some space there. And last, committee meetings and selections. If you've not run a virtual committee meeting for selection, um, what pointers do we have to uh, be able to give you, what questions do you have uh, around, you know, holding your meetings in that type of format? So we'd love to have some hand raised if you are, have made some decisions about your deadlines, have made decisions about how you are communicating those to applicants um, or communications perhaps to donors for our community foundations, um, you know, how are you communicating that out? So I'd love to have some hands raised. We know there's so much experience in the room. You might not think that you have it all together, but I know that you have some really great uh, insight, whether you think you do or not. This is Betty Stammerjohn with the Community Foundation of Greene County. 
in uh, southwestern Pennsylvania, Waynesburg, Pennsylvania area, below Pittsburgh. Thanks for joining us. You know, thank, thank you for doing this. Uh, you know, this is, we're just really getting started with the SLM this year. So actually, I'm kind of glad that, that we have it now because of doing the applications online. We did extend our deadline, which would have been April 1st to April 15th. Uh, our schools are now extending their closure to April 6th, supposedly, although I'm sure it will go later. So we're going to maintain our April 15th deadline, but at this stage we are going to waive transcripts uh, because we know, I've already had that discussion with our guidance counselors, you know, two weeks ago that students, most students will not be able to get their transcripts if they haven't already requested them because they require a signature from the parent. Um, okay. so, so we will do that. We're in discussion as to whether or not we um, wave letters of recommendation. Um, I'm told by at least a couple of the school districts, we work with five school districts in a career and technology center, and I'm told that all of the teachers, you know, most of the kids use teachers for their scholarship recommendations, teachers, coach, coaches, administrators. So they're worried, you know, are their teachers going to be able to respond to their emails? You know, two of the five mm -hmm. have said yes, that, that that should occur because the teachers are actually going to be going um, starting next week through an online instruction period anyway from 10 to 2 every day with the kids. So, mm, okay. Yeah. So, so yeah, so that situation you find yourself in is really kind of determining, uh, like what your schools are doing is really determining what you, how you're responding as a, a scholarship provider. Right, right. And I've been maintaining um, contact with, with the superintendents, with the guidance counselors particularly, to get information out to the students about those deadlines, as well as social media. Uh, you know, which tends to be the best method now, I think, you know, mm -hmm. as well as some announcement on a local radio station and all. But uh, so far, so good, I, I think. We'll oh. see. Yeah, yeah. So um, you're, I would guess you're, you're, so you mentioned doing, putting things out on social media, which is great. Um, and those local radio stations, are you emailing students directly, those who have started applications with you? Actually, once we make the decision on the letters of recommendation, um, then, then I'm going to send out one email to say, okay, you know, transcripts are waived, don't worry about it, and, and then mm -hmm. you know, let them know whether or not, you know, what we do about the letters of, of recommendation. About half of our scholarships, and we're small, uh, you know, so we only have... Mm -hmm. 21, 22 scholarships, 21 on our universe, um, and then one separate. Um, mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, it, it's not like we have a large, large volume of, of, of kids, you know, a, as it mm -hmm. is. We still, I still told one parent who asked me about letters of recommendations that, you know, we'll email you if we think this is going to mm -hmm. be, so... Now I have to learn, I think I have to Absolutely. learn how to do that. 
<laughs> we'll talk to your CSM. We can definitely help you through that. I will definitely sure. be talking to my CSM about that. So. All right. Well, thanks, Betty. Thanks for your Thank input. You. I appreciate it. Do you have another response to that question? Hi, I'm from the Greater um, the Community Foundation for Greater Buffalo, and we actually have a couple of different deadlines. Um, we have a series of scholarships that we typically release checks to the high schools um, before the end of the year for award ceremonies. That deadline has, was originally April 15th. We've extended it to April 30th. We're hoping, our original hope was that schools would be back in session by April 20th. We're not sure if that's actually going to work out, so we may be adjusting that. Um, we also have an online process that the deadline is May 1st and we're keeping it as May 1st um, because this, the applicants themselves are able to upload um, their grades from first and second quarter if they're still in high school. And if they're in college, we need their fall 2019 grades. So they should be able to log into any student portals that they have and have that information. So we're keeping those deadlines yeah. at this point. Um, but we are looking at, for some of our um, scholarships where we have outside members that are on committees to recommend, some of them are technologically savvy, some are not. So I'm not sure how we're going to approach as far as um, those committee members getting their recommendations into us. Right now, we're not allowed into our workspace, so we're all working remotely. Okay, yeah, it's you know, not having, uh, having community members that are not comfortable with technology is definitely going to be um, a hurdle for a lot of scholarship providers this season. So thank you for, for that. I love the note that you made about transcripts for your college students. So by, by requesting those transcripts that were last year's end of term transcripts, you actually do have the ability to still ask for those, still require those, making them unofficial instead of official now gives students the ability to get that to you. So that's absolutely fantastic. I love that note for our current uh, scholarships for current college students. Thanks so much. Mm -hmm. Hi, everybody. So my name is Lee O'Neill, and I'm with the Community Foundation of Fayette County in Uniontown, PA. Uh, hello to my neighbor over there, Betty Stammerjohn in Greene County. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> our, our scholarship deadline was actually on March the 20th when all of the schools started closing on the 16th. So since we were only a few days away from our deadline, we did only push it out two weeks. Um, so they're due April 3rd instead. At that point, we felt that we could still require transcripts, although uh, we are not requiring um, official transcripts. We changed our, our letters of recommendation so as to not require a wet signature that the student could upload something with a, a computer-generated signature from their recommender. Um, and so as soon as the school started closing, we hopped on right away and started sending out emails to guidance counselor and putting our extensions and our changes out on social media. Um, we, we do 99% uh, of our scholarship programs are online. So that gave us the capability to go in and find everybody who had incomplete applications. And I've probably done three broadcasts reminding people of the the deadline changes and of the uh, requirement changes. I, I'll continue that through next week 
I'm not sure that I'm going to see many more submitted as opposed to incomplete applications. I, I don't know. Um, but we're trying everything that we can. I guess that's, that's it. That's great. It and that you can questions? only do what you can do. Yeah. That's no, thank you for that. I think that's really good. And I, I like your perspective on you gave some of your reasoning behind, you know, the extension, the amount of time you gave for extension, because I think what a lot of us are struggling with is, you know, this is a, a you know, kind of a life altering event for a lot of people. And so it seems like we could just extend this indefinitely. Where do you draw the line? How do you continue to to hold to a process and move forward. So thank you for giving that reasoning. Um, I think that's really helpful for, for everyone to hear. Hey everybody, um, I'm Anne-Marie White. I am with the Horatio Alger Association. I'm hoping you can hear me. We sure can, Anne-Marie. Okay, great. Um, so I'm with the Horatio Alger Association. We are a nationwide um, awarding group and fortunately-ish, um, our one scholarship deadline was March 15th for our spring, um, which are specialized scholarships. So what we're doing right now is we're kind of trying to process those and take a look at um, the beautiful thing about the online program we use is we can open individual student applications and extend an individual student's application without extending the deadline for everyone. And so that's kind of a nice thing about the program that we use in terms of that. But I am in the middle of my career and technical um, scholarship application timeline, and that is that's notoriously a scholarship that we have a hard time filling. Um, we can award over a thousand kids, and we never quite get to that point. So we are still trying to figure out what we're going to do with those students. I only have 800 applications right now. Um, it is open till April 15th, but again, these are students that are now not getting necessarily the support and things that they need. Um, in terms of either high school or even our non-traditional students um, because they're not even on their campuses either. Um, and on top of that, we're also running an uh, emergency fund for our present scholars, which, you know, is probably something that somebody else might want to jump into as well. But that's, so there's all kinds of complications, and I am just so glad that we are sitting here and talking about this today, and I really thank you guys for the opportunity. Oh, yeah, we are so happy to provide this space to have these conversations. They're so important right now. Um, I love your note on emergency funding for students. If we don't get into talking more about that today, I definitely want to make sure that that is on our list for a future um, scholarship-based coffee talk, because I think that's a really important topic for us to, to get to. Let's go to another, uh, another voice here. I'm at the Communities Foundation of Oklahoma, and we're a statewide scholarship provider, mostly working with rural communities in our state. And we just have one giant kind of scholarship application timeline that we do once a year. And thank goodness the deadline was uh, March 12th. So um, I've not been running into a ton of issues. Mostly it's just getting transcripts for those last kind of few people that were applying right on the 12th before spring break happened and then schools closed. So I assigned about 500 online evaluations yesterday and I'm uh, basically just urged leniency on, on transcripts and stuff like that. But one thing I wanted to mention that we are going to work on or that I've been working on this week is we had a lot of donors reach out that were very concerned about like, you know, they're not gonna be able to have award ceremonies like normal and all of that. So we are going to 
step up and kind of distribute like fancy certificates to all the uh, students that are getting uh, awarded, which is not something that we normally do, but just kind of an added thing to make, you know, since they don't get an award ceremony or anything like that, at least getting some sort of, uh, you know, certificate in the mail from us. Um, so that's been like something that's really helped a lot of donors kind of calm down about everything that's going on right now. But I'm, I'm interested to see how shepherding everyone through the online, we normally do online evaluations, but I know a lot of groups have reached out and they're very nervous about not being able to meet in person to uh, do, you know, the final selection. So. Mm -hmm. So Austin, since you already have experience with online evaluations, if you were to give one piece of advice to people who have never done it before, um, can I, can I force you into naming that piece of advice right now? <laughs> uh, I know I'm going to put you on the spot. I think, I think the best thing is, uh, you know, adding an attachment to the email that you send out when you assign the app or the evaluations, adding an attachment that gives them directions on, you know, how to log in and how to do it. Because most of these people, are very busy and they do this once a year and like this is just not something that they ever like remember <laughs> so mm -hmm. um, and I think we made our instructional attachment based on like some resources that you guys provide and then we kind of customized it with some screenshots and stuff from us but that's really helpful with cutting down I mean I like I said I assigned like 500 online evaluations yesterday to people a very diverse population of evaluators and I think that's kind of the best thing you can do to be proactive about cutting down on emails, asking you to reset passwords and do things that they can do themselves, basically. That is a great piece of advice, Austin. Um, yeah, and Foundant does have resources. You can find those at help.foundant.com um, and just uh, look, use the keyword evaluator um, to find some of those tutorials that we have available. And I love that you customize them with screenshots from your own site to make them a little more um, user friendly for your evaluators who are not in there all the time. That's great. Absolutely. All right. Thanks, Austin. I appreciate that. Hi, it's Michelle McGovern. Um, I'm with Aldine Education Foundation, which is a um, supporting a public school district in the north part of Houston. Um, and we had a couple of things that we were waiving um, related to both our applications as well as our renewal awards. So for our applications, we initially were requiring all of our students to have a face-to-face -face meeting with their high school counselor, have a form signed that documents that meeting and that gets uploaded to our application. Given the fact that students are not able to meet with their counselors face-to-face, -face, we have waived that one requirement. We are still requiring our letters of recommendation and our transcripts because students can get those electronically. Um, the transcripts, we have never required an official transcript, um, but so they just have to submit a transcript that they get from their counselor. Um, and then for the GPA, so typically we do require a minimum GPA before a student can receive their next year's scholarship award. Given the situation with this year's college closings at all classes moving to online, some schools moving to pass-fail grading, which don't impact GPA, um, we are going to be very lenient with our GPA requirement as we review whatever transcripts we are able to collect in June before we 
make awards, um, award payments for next year's July uh, and July. So um, that's just one thing that we have considered that it would be a disservice to our students if they are um, negatively impacted with their financial resources because of things that are so far outside of their control. And we also realize that many students in our population have limited online resources and access to um, both, uh, you know, personal computers that they can utilize, especially with libraries being closed and not being on campus. As mm -hmm. and. Um, Wi-Fi and just internet access. Sometimes that's not necessarily reliable for our families. And so we are um, considering that in evaluating renewal scholarships. That's it. That's great. And that's such a good perspective on renewals. Um, but to be honest, and, and this is a, a world I work in all the time, but I hadn't really thought about uh, internet connectivity issues for current college students because you think, well, they're on campus, they have um, access to so many things, but uh, if they're out of the dorms, which many dorms have closed and libraries are no longer open, they're back to relying on whatever's available at home, which may be great and it may not be, and there's really no uh, easy way to know that. So that's great perspective. Thank you for that, Michelle. Yes, so um, I was uh, talking to the um, the requirement that students commit to a college by May 1st. So we have extended our deadline and we are going to force our timeline probably um, to fit within that May 1st requirement for students. So we will work very hard this month to review about a thousand scholarship applications and make uh, over 300 awards. Um, so that students are aware of their financial um, benefits before they need to commit to a college. So it's going to make for a very interesting April, but we are going to do that because we feel like our students need to know that information before May, May 1st. Without any definitive um, extension of that date from colleges, we are going to try and stick to it. So. That's great. Thanks, Michelle. I think that's just wonderful to hear. And way to take on the uh, the harder side of that equation just to make it easier on your students. I really commend you for doing that and taking that upon yourself as, as a foundation. Hi. So this is Jennifer from the Pittsburgh Foundation in Pittsburgh. Um, we have done all of these things, you know, re um, not requiring transcript and letters of reference uploads and extending of due dates. We've emailed every student with an application in process and found it, but we still did find it um, helpful to put a little money into social media ads and um, just kind of general advertising on uh, Facebook and on Instagram, which we started a test pilot just recently to see if we do get students from Instagram um, flowing through to the, the found it applications. So uh, our communications department did think it was worthwhile to put a little bit of money towards that um, just to let all students know of the deadline extension. That is great. That's great to hear. And I see that um, Kathy Fitzpatrick from Scranton Area Community Foundation in Northeastern uh, Pennsylvania also, uh, they also made that decision to put in, go ahead and pay for some social media ads to announce their extended deadline. 
that, um, you know, maybe a new trend that we're going to see. Now, Jennifer, you had a question as well um, that you put into the question box. I'd love for you to just go ahead and voice that while we have you on. Oh, great. Um, So my question was, you know, we, we have a large population of students from all different socioeconomic backgrounds. And some of our concerns are that if these students are not in school physically and they don't have access to a computer um, or internet at home, you know, is the Foundant platform stable for submitting applications, you know, through a, through a cell phone? And I think that some of the alleviation of uploads can help with that. But I'm asking, like, from a, from a Foundant platform perspective, how easy is it? Because I've never used it. Yeah, actually, um, I will speak to this from my experience as a client with Foundant years ago. Um, yeah, you can definitely, I had students fill out their entire application on their phone. Um, I'll say you will get some autocorrect because your phone's autocorrect doesn't many times pop into play there. So you might get a little bit of interesting wording on some of those essays that the student might be writing from their phone. <laughs> but other than the uploads, um, it it does work fairly well. The other thing I want to point out is you as an administrator can also access it from your phone, um, your administrator dashboard. Mm-hmm. So if you're in a place where, you know, your Wi-Fi goes out, but you can be on your phone, you can actually administer your full scholarship program. It gets a little a little interesting and fun doing it all on such a small screen, but you can do it from your phone. Um, I've done many of many uh, functionality and on found it from a high school parking lot or uh, different places that I've been. So I think it's going to come in really handy. That's, that's really cool. And I, I'd like to say um, one more thing because I heard someone earlier have some concerns on as to whether students will be submitting or not be submitting, you know, after this, this, all of the messages get out. And I can tell you that since we've um, changed our messaging both on our website and on the Foundant login, plus, you know, emailed all the students and all of the guidance counselors, put this out on social media. We have had um, 178 submissions of students who were already in progress, so they completed their applications, and we've got 22 new, um, new applications started since all of that, so that's only been a couple of days. Wow, so still still going strong on your application intake. That's yeah. great to know. And it's good to know that students aren't, um, they're not losing heart right now. I think it'd be really easy for students to be overwhelmed by where they're, where the world is and just kind of push college off a little bit. But that's really um, encouraging to hear that they're still moving strong on their scholarship applications. Agree. Do we have another um person who would like to speak? Hi. Uh, I just wanted to say that, yes, uh, I did uh, the, uh, pay, pay for an ad this last time uh, just to kind of okay. get word out about the scholarships, afraid that students weren't going to be applying and a reminder. But in addition to that, um, I took the Facebook posts and tagged as many of my board members and community member friends as I could so that they, I knew then they would see it and, and it actually worked because they started sending it out on all sorts of other places and tagging their friends and, and all. So um, 
and actually my numbers went up cons considerably, uh, you know, for what we do. And I'm real pleased by that. I still have a little bit more to do. Uh, I also had some bonus dollars I could use, so it didn't cost me a lot. So, but that's, that's great that's what to do it. So, you know, it's, it's not just, you know, doing the ads, but making sure that it gets out into some of those other places that, you know, friends and friends and friends. And I also made it public, I guess. So. That's Absolutely. And I think there's a good call to action that you can put in your Facebook post that if you are, you know, living in a certain geographic area, you encourage them to share to get this message to every student that needs to see it. Um, right now, I think a lot of people are looking for some way to be helpful to their community and to the people around them. And that is one thing that they could very easily do um, that would be a benefit. So uh, you might get even some additional shares than what you would have before. Thank Thanks you all. for that note, Betty. Thank you. So I work for the Cattaraugus Region Community Foundation in Cattaraugus County, Olean, New York area. And we are a, we are a very small foundation. We have four people in our office. So I work with our communications person and he has been sending out multiple emails to get a hold of counselors. He and I worked together to create an email to let them know. And we did have a very big conversation when COVID-19 kind of hit in Cattaraugus County that we were not going to extend our deadline, which was April 1st. So we have a week left of our scholarship portal and we opted to not extend our deadline because of the fact that everyone was going to be working remotely, including us, we're all re working remotely right now. So that gave students two weeks of no sports and no activities and counselors who really wanted them to finish their applications as well. So I've been working hard with counselors from all of the schools to get their students applying. And I have seen a bit of an uptick and we do use social media for that as well. We don't, I don't think we've paid for ads yet. I'm not sure, but we have seen upticks in that. And I can answer the question that Jennifer posed that they can complete it online because my coworker has told me that the, I don't know the word I'm looking for, but he, oh, the analytics, he can look at the analytics online and he's seen that some, most students do complete it on their phone. So we figured with that, that it was not really useful to extend the deadline when they are able to use their phone if they don't have Wi-Fi or a computer at home. That is really great to hear. Thank you for that. Um, yeah, and I, I think the important takeaway that, that I'm getting from you is that no matter what your decision is around deadlines, commute, keep communicating that out because there's a lot of things that are changing. So if you are one of the things that's not changing, you kind of still need to communicate that and make sure that people know that you're staying the same and not ending. So I think that's right. fantastic for everyone who's making that decision to, to hold fast to their deadline. Right. Yeah. And we also, just off of that, I have been sending emails personally to the students as well because their emails are in there when they start their application. So I sent out an email to every single student who was in the portal to let them know if they had an, an application that's submitted or close to submitting and all they have to do is one thing. I have sent out emails to their third parties because we actually, oh, the other thing I wanted to mention was we decided because of the fact that schools have limited access or the teachers have limited access to their schools, 
we're being lenient on the transcripts. We're not going to penalize any student who does not have their transcript in because of the fact that sometimes the teachers have to be in the school to access that, and we understand that. But if they don't have their letters mm -hmm. of recommendation, then we won't consider them submitted or complete because letters of recommendation can be done off of a school computer. It can be done from anywhere. So letters of recommendation we're not really being lenient on. I have been reaching out to those third parties as well. So I've been on my email basically constantly just communicating with everyone, letting them know that that deadline is very fastly approaching. That is great. Yeah. Like over communicate. Like now is the time to over communicate with people because we're we're all um a little unsure. So thanks so much. This is just really great perspective. Do we have any uh, another uh, person who'd like to speak right now? Hi, I'm Kristen Aspen with the Ashland County Community Foundation. Thought I'd just chime Hi, in real quick. Hi there, how are you? Good. Um, yes. Go ahead. So what we've done, we haven't done it with scholarships yet, but I plan to this year. In grants, we use GLM, and we actually created our conflict of interest and confidentiality forms using the GLM system. And then that way we can just assign them like any other grant application, or in this case, it'd be a scholarship application. The, um, we had to have a little bit of help doing it because Elise, you can help me out, but I can't remember the right terminology, but we did it as like an internal document or something. And it had like restricted process or. Yeah, or you probably did it as a restricted process in GLM. Yeah. So only yeah. available to people who had that special passcode. Yes, and it worked great. We've done that for the last couple years, and I'm planning to create a very similar form for all of our scholarship reviewers for this year, for next week, actually. And um, yeah, and it basically just gets assigned. So when they see their list of scholarship opportunities they need to evaluate, they will also see the very first thing will say conflict of interest and confidentiality form. So they just go in, they review it, they sign it, and they date it. And then once they save or submit, it's there. And then we can go in and look at everybody's. And then from that, I've actually created reports to be able to see every conflict of interest and confidentiality form cumulatively as a big list. So, so that's what we've done. That is fantastic. Yep, I love that workflow. I think that's a really great workflow and found it. There are definitely others that you can use, but that's a great one if you don't want anybody to have to print upload um, or scan any additional documents, this is a great workflow to use. And if you are a founded client on today and you want to kind of talk through that or see what that would look like, um, definitely reach out to your CSM and we'll make sure that we get you, you know, the resources that you need to be able to get that in place. Any other uh, hands raised? We are coming right up on that hour. So we do, maybe we'll take one more person who wants to speak today. And, um, and then we'll wrap up. Okay, well maybe that just means it's a naturally good pause to this conversation. We will be having more of these coming up in the coming weeks. So make sure that you are um, staying connected. Uh, you can see all of the webinars and coffee talks that we have coming up at uh, foundant.com slash resources. So make sure that you are checking in there to uh, see where you can plug in and, and have more of these conversations. And thank you for joining. We appreciate uh, the time that you've spent with us today and all of the great um, insight that you've given. So from all of us here at Found It, 
we just want to say thanks for joining us. Thanks for offering such great um, content and answers today. We love working with you all, and we're so fortunate to be one of your partners through all of this. So thanks, everyone. So that was our conversation. There were so many ideas and so many new ideas because this is a new situation. We're going to keep bringing you conversations like this following the coffee talks that we host online. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast. You can look for announcements on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn by following Foundin Technologies. And we want to hear from you. Unlike a lot of podcasts out there, you can participate yourself by registering for one of our Coffee Talk webinars. You can register for a webinar or access additional resources by clicking on the links in the episode notes. So from everyone at Founded Technologies, thanks for listening. We hope you found it helpful, and we can't wait to connect with you again on our next Coffee Talk.